everyone. Welcome to another episode of Diplomas and Doubts. I'm Beatrice. And I'm Claire. And our guest today is Tori Dunlap. Tori was the copy editor and editor-in-chief of the Log Yearbook my um, freshman through junior year and was really great working with her on the log. I knew she would have a great story to share with us and it's a little bit of a long convo. Tori is a year further out from graduation than most of our guests. So she graduated in 2016 so she had plenty to talk about. She has lots of good advice. Let's just roll the convo. Okay. Hi Tori, thanks for joining us today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here guys. Let's just dive right in. Um, talk to us about your time at UP. Tell us what you studied, all about all of your extracurriculars and your jobs. I know you had plenty going on. I did. Um, so yeah, I went to UP, graduated in 2016, a uh, year before Claire did. Mm-hmm. And I uh, dual degreed. I had a BS in organizational communication and then a BA in theater. Um, was part of the honors program as well. I was one credit away from an entrepreneurship minor, so I thought I would have had that by the time I graduated. I didn't have enough time. Um, I studied abroad in Ireland my junior year, which was awesome for half of that, which was a great experience. Um, And then, yeah, I had three on-campus jobs, so I worked as um, the editor-in-chief for the Log Yearbook for my senior year, kind of worked my way up throughout my four years at UP, was a... um, piano accompanist at uh, mass every week at Sunday mass. Uh, it's a great excuse. I got my butt to church, but also, um, yeah, I just opened up a completely different side of UP that I hadn't really seen before. Started that my sophomore year. And then uh, I did tours for the admissions department, which again was awesome. Just getting to see the whole new kind of crop that was coming into UP, answering questions and getting to know the campus really well. Um, I was an entrepreneurial scholar, which uh, was my senior year. Basically, UP actually has one of the first programs of its kind to do this. It was 20 years ago, and they, um, yeah, you basically start and grow a business venture in one school year. Um, so I got to travel to New York, Japan, Denver, um, basically researching my idea, kind of pitching it, um, and then you compete for $100,000 in seed money at the end of the year. So that was a really cool experience, too. And honestly, just loved my time at UP. Um, campus is beautiful. Just really enjoy the people I got to know and, and my classes and everything. And yeah, I, I, I think the smartest thing I did was actually taking classes outside of my major uh, or majors um, because it really opened up my eyes to yeah, just different perspectives or different things I wanted to learn about. And so I was taking sometimes 400 level classes that were completely outside of my discipline. Um, it sounds so nerdy, but just because I wanted to learn um, the topic of them. So it was just, yeah, it was a great experience. Wow. Did you have any like summer internships or like out of school internships? Definitely. So yeah, I, um, I would have a summer job. So I came home and I worked at a hardware store locally in Tacoma, Washington. Um, so that was my summer job, either part-time or kind of get to be full-time in the summers. Um, and then I had a couple different internships. I did, um, I think summer before my junior year or maybe it was senior year was uh, um, a communication and PR intern at uh, the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium in Tacoma, Washington. So I got to see my sea otters every day. I have an obsession with sea otters. So that was a great opportunity just for that. A little directionless, unfortunately. So I don't feel like I could learn or I learned as much as I could have. Um, but a great like opening to what that field was going to look like as far as marketing, communication, 
um, you know, crafting a press release, that sort of thing. And then I think I had two or three other internships. I did my senior year social media for uh, our volleyball team on campus um, and then also worked um, as a promotions and social media intern for this new book that was coming out. Uh, this local Portland author basically hired a couple UP students to um, yeah, promote the book. Um, and yeah, I actually got paid for that one, which was shocking. Not a ton of money, but it was, it was nice. And I could do it from campus. He'd come to us to meet with us on campus. So I didn't have to go anywhere. So that was really nice. And I think that's it. As far as I know. It's <laughs> cool. It's been a while. You sound very busy, but that's really cool. It all sounds super interesting. Yeah, it was, it, it was, I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to keep busy and um, yeah, when you're at college for me, it was like there were so many opportunities and I just tried to take advantage of everything that I was interested in. So That's cool. Um, so on graduation day, what was going through your mind? Like, did you have any plans? Were you applying to jobs? Um, how did you feel in general? So I was that kid that was in the career center freshman year, already figuring out how I was going to get a job. So I was, my entire senior year, I committed myself that I was going to do at least one informational interview a week. It was going to be networking my butt off, uh, you know, crafting my resume and my cover letter and updating my LinkedIn like every couple days, making sure that, you know, by the time graduation rolled around, I had a job. I didn't have a job. So that was disappointing for me. I mean, it's totally normal, right, to, to walk across the graduation stage and not have a job. But for me, the work I had put in to not um, have that pay off and the security of ha have that pay off was a little disappointing. But I was in a privileged enough place and, and really thankful for my family where they're like, yeah, you know, move in with us as long as you're finding a job and, you know, you're, you know, you're not just sitting around doing nothing. Like, of course, come back home and, and, and keep looking for a job. So um, my boyfriend at the time lived in... Um, Eugene, Oregon, uh, was going to law school there. And so in my head, I was like, oh, okay, I want to kind of stay in Portland. Portland's close. Um, and I had a lot of friends, obviously, from UP um, that were staying in Portland. And so I was looking in the Seattle-Tacoma area, which was where I was living, because I'm at my parents' house in Tacoma, um, but was mostly looking in Portland. So yeah, I mean, graduation day rolled around, and, and I was really excited and really hopeful for the future, but also slightly bummed that I didn't have a job by the time um yeah that was walking across the stage yeah graduation day is really tough yeah it's I mean you're excited right you're excited for the future you you know that something good's going to be out there at least you hope but um yeah it's that time of uncertainty and I don't do personally mm -hmm. very well with uncertainty <laughs> so yeah um yeah it's I think everybody goes through that of either even if you have a job even if you have a job lined up you're wondering What's this job going to be like? How do I transition? Because all of that's new to you. Yeah, absolutely. So when and how did you land your first post-grad job? Yeah, so graduated May 1st. Um, went through some personal stuff around that time. The boyfriend I just mentioned, uh, he and I ended up breaking up mm -hmm. like three days after my graduation. Um, and we've been together for a while. Oh, no. and yeah, he was one of those people I like definitely saw a long-term future with and that kind of for lack of a better word crushed me <laughs> was not uh and I'm not that kind of girl who's like oh yeah you know like boys and they're fantastic and like your world revolves around them right but it was one of those moments where um 
Yeah, I, I was way more affected than I ever thought I would be. So I was kind of dealing with that, wanting to get a job so at least then I could be distracted, I could move through it. Um, so something interesting happened, and I, this is something I, I really want to touch on because I think it's so important. I got to the end of May, um, nothing really solid. I had had a ton of interviews, um, but I would get into these interviews and I had enough experience and could present myself uh, in a professional enough way where I was competing against people who had had three, five, seven years of experience. But obviously, I would get in a final interview and I'd lose to them every time because they had more experience. So what I had to figure out was how do I tell the story of me? How do I tell the story of my experience in a way that's talking more about the skills I learned and the skills I have rather than this is how many years I've been at this or this is my particular job and this is what I did on a day to day because, you know, I really didn't have, I had internship experience. I think it was really smart of me to take a job like at the yearbook where I had a physical thing that I could present. So that was, I think, a really smart decision in hindsight. But as far as actual like corporate nine to five experience, I obviously didn't have any of that. So what I had to do was I had to figure out how to leverage the skills I did have into the job I wanted. And that's when I started getting offers. But the thing was, is that I got two different job offers. One was actually in Eugene, Oregon, (laughs) where my now ex-boyfriend was, which was funny and ironic. Um, And it was not enough money to live off of, not even close. And when you get a job offer right out of college, $30,000 or however much amount of money you are offered feels like the most money you've ever seen in your life. It feels like, you know, $100 million. But when you break it down, you have to remember that $30,000 after taxes becomes at least $25,000, usually $22,000. And then cost of living, rent. I mean, before you've even paid for like Netflix or a meal out, you have to figure out budget wise where you're going to land. A car payment, yeah, rent, um, groceries, uh, car insurance, your phone bill, all these things. And I'm really thankful to my parents because they sat me down and they were like, okay, like hypothetically, if you were to take this job, you're not going to be able to live. Like you're just not. And again, I was in a really privileged place to be able to hold out for something better. But I think for me, it was really important to do line by line budget of figuring out, okay, this chunk of money actually turns into you know, the, you know, where my bills are going and that sort of thing. So I had two different jobs. The first job was in Eugene. I turned it down. Uh, I didn't just turn it down for the money. It was a startup. Um, and I, the technical title was like marketing, but it would have been very much a, like you shipping out boxes of the product and, and basically anything you needed to do in order to keep this company running. And it's not like I was never like, Oh, that's not my job, but, um, it's not what I wanted to be doing right to get experience out of, out of school. And then the other job was a part-time job in Tacoma that would have transitioned more into a full-time job. Um, and I also just, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't enough to be able to support me, support me paying all my bills. So um, turned both of those down and was in a very privileged place in order to do that because my parents were okay with that and talked me through that. But honestly, I think everything happens for a reason because I went into a job interview uh, at a company I knew nothing about. <laughs> They, you know, I had networked for however long and, and, 
you know, you're told, what is it, like 80% of jobs, like it's because you know somebody or because you connected with somebody. This was literally, I just found this job on ZipRecruiter. Um, they were a security company. They honestly looked super sketchy on their website because they were a security company. They had no real concrete information about who they were, um, who their clients were. And I was supposed to do this whole social media write-up for them and basically give them a social media proposal when I walked in. So I had done the phone interview with a super intimidating guy who like basically helped build Google AdWords um, and didn't think I was ever going to get a second interview. Got the second interview call. My mom drove me to the interview because we were so freaked out about this company. She's like, if you're not out in two and a half hours, I'm going in. And I'm like, okay. So it's like a block from Pike Place Market. I go in. And it's just this beautiful building. It's like old brick, um, totally like kind of startup, open office um, setup. And I go into my interview. Uh, I think it goes really well. I'm a little nervous. But I walk out and I go to my mom and I'm like, ah, I think they're going to want somebody with more experience. Um, long story short, I end up landing the job way more money than I ever thought I'd be getting paid at this stage because I had gone through all these interviews, right? And I was like, okay, I can bring my expectations low. Um, and yeah, started with them in July, I think July 5th. So it was May, June. So yeah, right about two months. So did you move out of your parents right when you started? Did you move to Seattle before you started that job? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was commuting if you guys are listening, if anybody's listening to this, Tacoma to Seattle is about, uh, without traffic, it's a 45 minute drive yeah. with morning traffic. It's about an hour and a half to get there. So yeah, it's nuts. So, um, the nice thing about that is you, is there a commuter train that goes from Tacoma to Seattle? So mm-hmm. I would do that for three months and that's still about an hour and a half, but at least you're not driving all of it. So I would drive to the train station. Um, so, you know, you get up, mm-hmm. you get ready. That's a half an hour. It would take me about 20 minutes to drive to the train station. I'd have to take a bus from the parking lot to the train station. Um, and then on the train for about 45 minutes and then would walk a couple blocks and then would take the light rail train to work. So it was about hour and 30, hour 45. Wow. It was crazy. But the nice thing was, is I could sit on the train for 45 minutes and work. And the other thing I didn't mention is I had my nine to five job and right around the time I got that job, maybe a couple weeks before I ended up landing a freelance gig to do social media too, for this organization called ad tech, which is one of the biggest marketing conferences, um, really in the world. So was leading their social media and all of their content and strategy. So had my nine to five job and then on nights and weekends or on my commute, I would work on this other job too. So yeah, I did that for about three months of commuting um, before moving to Seattle. Wow. So what was your um, official job title and what were your responsibilities? Yeah. So that was that was something that was really interesting. So I got into this organization. They're a security company. They do security for Apple, Nike, the Academy Awards, the NFL, Amazon. Um, so this global company has been around for 17 years, have about 5,000 employees, um, an office in Brazil, an office in Mexico. I come on as their social media manager. That is the scope of my job. That's, that's the majority of my job. And what I realized very quickly is there is no marketing department. There is no communications department, internal or external, and there's no PR department. Any of that that needs to get done kind of should fall to me. And so I start taking on more projects as I realize there's a need for it. So, um, 
I write, you know, a weekly blog post, um, you know, about 80% of that content was written by me. The other like 20% was either edited or facilitated by me, obviously doing all the social strategy for a couple different platforms. I was helping do a little bit of press and crisis management, um, was helping to plan and execute events internally. So it, it kind of became this bigger role and that was because I wanted to do it. Um, it was less somebody saying, Hey, you know, you need to be this. There was definitely projects that would come up kind of outside of my scope of work. But for me, I realized that there was a, a huge need there because they were this big global company and didn't have, you know, these huge, these, these departments. I wanted to, to be able to serve the company in, in a way that, that I knew was valuable. They also, because they had these events, so they do security for the Oscars. And because they were hiring all these people for this one-time event, um, recruiting was this huge department because they needed to hire a ton of people at one time. So I kind of became like a social media recruiter. So I became really close with the recruiting team and would use social media to try to, um, yeah, get people to apply for jobs. So yeah, social media marketing manager was kind of my official title, but it ended up just, you know, the way I brand it now is just the head of marketing and communication because it was. That reminds me, you like went to the Oscars one year, right? I like, did. did you go when you were at that job? What was that like? Yeah, so that was, um, oh gosh, that was in February. I got hired in July. So what is that? Nine months, eight months? Math is hard. Um, so yeah, I went not to the physical ceremony because you can't get in the ceremony unless you have a ticket. And like, if you're Meryl Streep, you get a ticket. Pretty much anybody else does not. So, um, <laughs> but I was in the rehearsal the night before. So, um, I was one of probably 12 people in the auditorium when they had Meryl Streep and like Leah DiCaprio come out and do their like rehearsal the day before, um, walked right past Javier Bardem, got to be on the red carpet for the show, which was so cool. Um, yeah, I have a, I had like a running list on Facebook of like everybody I saw, but it was crazy. It was yeah, I yeah, and that. it was. I am such a pop culture like fiend, so that was one of the like the coolest experiences of my life. And being there, you know, in the kind of security role, what's crazy about that is you don't realize like how much is going into an event like that of just keeping it safe, because it's one of the only events where, um, and I didn't know this prior to to working it. It's one of the only events where a celebrity is not. Uh, is required to not have their own personal like bodyguard or detail. So mm -hmm. our security company does security for literally everybody who's anybody in the entire show. So we follow them around like when they're there in rehearsals, when they get there to the red carpet. Um, Cause for security reasons, they don't want like, you know, a hundred different security details. So it's, it's a pretty robust, crazy, crazy thing that ends up happening, but it was so cool. So cool. Wow. So it all sounds great. So like when and why did you decide to leave that job? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, <laughs> I actually went through <laughs> the Oscars was a double edged sword for me because it was a really cool experience being there. But I um, I made actually probably my first mistake at the Oscars um, and for it was something that was pretty minor, but I ended up getting kind of thrown under the bus by another employee and who ended up uh, getting fired from the company a couple months later. Um, but I, 
I was traveling a lot with a company to that point, um, along with my freelance job, because the, the conference I was working for my side hustle was in New York. And then my nine to five office had a, um, or my nine to five job had an office in New York. So I, like in November, went to New York for like eight days. I was going to San Francisco. I was going to LA. I was going to San Jose for these like different work events. And so I was just loving, loving life, loving my job, loved my coworkers. And obviously was so excited to be at the Oscars. And then when this thing happened, the rose colored glasses kind of came off. Um, and I saw that there was certain ways that the company was being managed that I didn't, um, I didn't really get behind as far as, um, I like to say like people as managers or people as leaders, like it's your job to water people. It's your job to make them grow, make them bloom. And sometimes their management techniques were the yelling, were the intimidation, were the like cutting the tree down instead of watering it. So that was one thing kind of in the back of my mind where, um, yeah, the rose colored glasses came off and I was like, Oh, okay. I, I don't know if I want to be here like for a really long time anymore. The other thing that happened was I started getting really comfortable in my job. Um, my boss who was lovely and who I loved working with, he was the CFO of the company. So, um, I was kind of left to do whatever I wanted to do. And as a self-motivated individual, like that was fine. I always did really good work. I got my job done, but um, there was no one to learn from, right? There was no marketing department. So I didn't really feel like I was moving myself forward. I didn't feel like I was, um, yeah, kind of going outside of my comfort zone and, and doing things that really excited me just because I felt really comfortable. And that's the point where I kind of knew that I, yeah, needed to look for, for something else. So what was, what were you looking for in a second job and what did you eventually get? <laughs> um, I didn't get what I hoped I would get, but, uh, what I was looking for was, yeah, a challenging work environment, um, an actual team of people. I love being a team of one marketer cause I love the kind of entrepreneurship of that, the self-motivation of that. But, um, I didn't feel like I could really, yeah, like learn and grow from people or collaborate. So I was looking for a team. I was looking for, um, yeah, supportive work environment, um, a role I could really feel like I owned. And then, yeah, just, I mean, honestly, just something new, something different, something that was going to get me outside my comfort zone. So had been looking for a little bit, interviewing, got reached out to by a recruiter with like, hey, this is your perfect job. On paper, perfect job. Lovely. Digital marketing manager, exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and I don't know, Claire, if you've read my blog post about this, so this may be redundant for you, but, um, or I think you know kind of what happened, but um, <laughs> I'm a big believer in a gut feeling. I, I think that that can tell you so much about an environment, so much about a person, so much about a situation. And I walked into this company from an in-person interview and something just felt off. Couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but something, I was just getting the heebie-jeebies. I was like, mm, something's not right here. So went in, interviewed, was with the CEO who's a female who would um, be my, my boss, my direct boss, um, which I really liked and appreciated. I come, came from a security environment, which was like all dudes. 
Um, again, nothing necessarily wrong with that, but for that point in my career, I was like, oh, that'd be really awesome to have a female CEO who could really nurture me in a way that's, you know, maybe a little bit different. Um, and the interview only lasted for probably 10 minutes, uh, as far as like her actually asking me questions, which was another red flag that I just kind of glossed over at the time. But, um, there was like almost this desperation, like we really, really need somebody in this role. You seem smart. You seem capable. Okay. Let's offer you the job. I get home. Um, recruiter reaches out to me with this job offer and I negotiate, I get, oh my gosh, 25% more than what they're offering, which is pretty substantial. Um, yeah. actually maybe more than that. Um, and I am expecting, uh, and this is why I advocate really for people negotiating their job offers, no matter what, but I was thinking, okay, it's going to be a negotiation. If they're at this number, I'm going to put them at a really high number because I know that we're going to meet somewhere in the middle. And they just gave me my high number. And it was more, it was more money definitely than I was making at the time. And I had just gotten a raise at my other company. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a lot of money. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, I, uh, I have to take it. Right. And I'm talking to my friends and family and they're like, you'd be dumb not to take that amount of money. And, and somehow in my gut, my gut was still like, you're not going to be happy here, Tori. Like you're not gonna, you're, this is not for you. But I couldn't turn down that much money. Went in, uh, yeah, quit my other job. Um, said goodbye to a lot of the people that I, I really loved and was close to as far as coworkers. And like, we still stay in touch, obviously. But uh, yeah, just different environment. So I walk in the first day. Everything's fine. Day two, I get in there. And um, the her executive assistant slash HR manager comes up to me and she hands me a piece of paper, which is like the company directory. This is a really small company, by the way, too. So I went from 5,000 employees to, oh gosh, 50, 60, very tiny. And she hands me a company directory. And my name is listed. And instead of digital marketing manager, it says e-commerce manager, which is a completely different job, completely different job title. Um, and at that point, I should have said something. I didn't. The last thing you want to do, right, is go into, uh, go into your boss who you're looking to impress and say, like, this is not my job, right? Um, but I knew right there it wasn't going to work. Long story short, without going into too much detail, I had a miserable experience. I was not even there three months. It was an unhealthy work environment. Um, my job expectations were wildly uh, out of proportion for the scope of work one person could physically be doing. Um, and it was a really, really rough period of time for me because uh, – I started going, oh my gosh, the grass is greener, and I didn't, it, wouldn't, it wasn't really, you know, in my head it was like, oh, this will be great, everything will be fine, um, and it wasn't, and I, towards the end there, um, was, you know, crying myself to sleep at night, and really just not loving life, uh, and I should say too, a week and a half into my job, um, my boss, who's only been physically there for half of that time, she was off traveling the rest of the time, calls me into our office, Again, I, I'm a week and a half in. I don't even know how, like, the copier works. And uh, makes me cry. And for 45 minutes tells me that she's worried that she made the wrong decision in hiring me. And, yeah. <laughs> and is, like, dissatisfied with my work performance and all this stuff. <gasps> and it was just, yeah, it was just a really, really not fun environment. But I learned so much from it. 
because I learned what motivates me. I learned that money is awesome and you go to a job for the money, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't just work my eight hours and like call it quits. Like that's not, I don't clock in, clock out. That's not who I am. I want to get in there. I want to be feel, you know, feel passionate and feel supported and feel, um, like, uh, I'm making friends at work. And, and so I realized that, um, money is not my number one driver. And that sounds simple, but, but it was a huge lesson for me to learn and to really trust my gut because looking back, there were so many things that were, that were not right about the situation. So yeah, I ended up quitting. I started that job in late October, ended up quitting before I could get fired, um, in early January, which was also a whole, um, yeah, imposter syndrome, all of that. I'm a very confident person. I'm very confident in my abilities. And for the first time, um, I had somebody who I was supposed to look up to and respect tell me that I was not worthy. And that was really hard. And so yeah. the last couple months, and even now, I'm still having to rebuild that confidence and still having to reassure myself that, no, you got where you were because you worked hard and you know what you're doing. So ended up quitting that job without another one lined up on January 5th of this year. I am talking so much. I'm so sorry. No, that's the point of the podcast. <laughs> no, it's good. To have you come on and talk. So I'm like, talk. honestly wow. speechless. Like I had read your um, blog post about this. So I felt like I knew a little bit about it, but that's truly wild. That's the best word to describe it. I would think is wild. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing. So when you quit one job and you go to another one, and that is not what you expect it to be. And it's not what you need it to be. That was soul crushing. Like, wow. because I left a job thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to this other one and it's going to be so much better. And I'm putting that in quotes, but like in your head, again, grass is greener. And then it's really hard to not live in that point of regret of like, hey, I could be like rolling into the office at like 915 right now taking an hour lunch with my friends, like doing my work, obviously like really well, but at the same time, just like kind of doing whatever I wanted to do. Like that could be me right now, but instead I am like white knuckled, worried that I'm going to get fired by this woman who made it very clear, very quickly that she does not like me. And, uh, I'm getting paid more, but oh my gosh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So yeah. And also I'm a very, uh, I'm a very kind of a person who, right, has my whole kind of life planned out or what I want. And, uh, I felt like a failure for quitting my job. I felt like I couldn't hack it. I felt like I didn't stick it out. I felt, um, I was worried. I had an emergency fund, which anybody, if you're listening, <laughs> please save an emergency fund because, uh, I was able to fall back on that money and that money gave me the opportunity to quit. Because if, if I didn't have that money, I wouldn't have been able to. So, yeah, it was it was a really kind of difficult transition. Yeah, so on the podcast before, I talked about how I was I had a lot of anxiety about the idea of being unemployed. Like, I don't really know what that looks like. So I would I know you were you were unemployed for a, a chunk of time. Right. So I would love to sort of hear about that experience from you. Yeah, so um, I think we're going to get into this a little bit later. So, I, But I started a blog in January of, or it was December of 2016, mm-hmm. um, basically talking about career and personal finance and, um, yeah, just for the millennial women. So career, personal finance, like kind of 
self-development. Um, and it was something I'm so passionate about, about talking about experiences that um, I've had or, or things I wish I knew, like negotiating a job offer or, you know, the questions to ask in an interview or things like that. So I had positioned myself as kind of this, um, this kind of leader in that space, right? I was the person that my friends came to to ask questions about that sort of thing, which was why I was doing the blog was to really help people and to, to help facilitate, um, yeah, their careers and, and their development. And um, the problem with that was is that when I became unemployed, I felt like I lost any street cred I had had. So it's like, oh, she has it all together. And again, I'm putting that in quotes. And then to get this job where I have to quit before I'm fired. And it was like the most unhealthy job situation of my life. And then to say, hey, I'm unemployed. But also I offer career coaching on my website, right? That was a very, I kind of had a little bit of an identity crisis. And so it felt inauthentic to me to say all these things to people about like, hey, here's what, here's what you should be doing when um, I didn't feel like I had it together anymore. But that was the time where I really, I dug into that. And I said, okay, this is, this is more real than anything I've talked about up until this point. Because the vulnerability of me being able to publicly say, hey, I quit a job, it was really unhealthy, and I'm employed now, unemployed now, and I am scared. Like, I am scared. And my parents, who I'm an only child, so we're really close, and I'm literally sitting yeah, in my parents' house right now, they were so worried for me. And we were having, like, these heart-to-heart conversations around Christmas time of, like, if you quit your job, like, what does that mean? Like, like stick it out, Tori. And, and I, I'm like, guys, I can't. I can't stick it out. Like, this is just, I can't do this. So I was unemployed from, yeah, January 5th to like mid, mid March, which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when you have no income coming in and you're draining your savings funds and savings funds, I don't, savings, wow, Um, (laughs) savings funds, that's a new word. Um, And, you know, you're trying to find a job every day, but nothing's coming up. It's like dating, right? It's like, oh, I'm really <laughs> excited. And this guy's like super hot. And we're going to be together forever. And then you go on the date and like you really are into him, but he never calls you back. Oh, is it just me? Okay. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's how looking for a job feels, right? Because you get your expectations up. You're like, this is perfect. This is the one. Be, this is the one. We're going to have beautiful <laughs> babies together. This is going to be <laughs> lovely. We're going to build a life together. <laughs> and then it's like, nah, like that's a no for me, dog. So what you have to do is you have to deal with that rejection and still have a positive attitude and not be scared. And I credit that a lot to um, my lovely roommate slash career coach. So I in Seattle lived in this lovely late 50s woman's basement um, in this beautiful like 1920s house right by UW um, and her name is Cindy and I'm going to send this to her now after <laughs> after we record this but she is honestly just a lovely human being and she's a career coach and she's just such an inspiration to me and I would come home every day and cry you know and then when I finally quit my job and sh- she sat me down and she's like you cannot take a job out of fear 
She's like, you did that. She goes, you ran away from another job that you weren't excited to, and you ran to this job instead of, yeah, you ran away from something else instead of running towards something. So she goes, you can't take a job for fear. And that really stuck with me. And again, I was in a very privileged place. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to do this where I had savings. And I had conversations with my parents and my parents were like, like, we don't want you to move back home. Like, we love you, but we don't want you to move back home. And I'm like, <laughs> neither do I. And I'm like, but hypothetically, if I were to drain all my savings, and I had a, I had a probably six, seven, maybe eight months where I, I would be okay. And I said, hypothetically, could I move back home? Like, literally last-ditch effort. Like, I've sold a kidney. Could I come back home? And they're like, yes. So I had that, but that was honestly the least thing from my head. Um, but yeah, Cindy, it was just like, you don't take a job just because you're scared that you're not going to be able to like survive. She's like, you need to be in a job that you love, that you feel supported in, that, that you're excited to be at, not just you've taken a job because you need a job. So long story short, Claire, yeah, it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And shout out Cindy. Cindy. That's cool though, that like, that you are super open about it because I feel like, like you said, a lot of people don't really like to talk about unemployment and like, it's like low key embarrassing sometimes if you see like all the other people that you graduated with or friends and they're, you know, living on their own and they have this job, but like, and you're just like sitting there and employed, but like, honestly, happiness, your like self, like your, your mental health, your happiness is most important I think so it's really cool that you were like speaking up about it I appreciate that I what I realized too was it was an ego thing it was 100% an ego Mm. thing for me because I had built again my brand my blog as this kind of like again girl who had her life together like person like Mm -hmm. quote-unquote expert of someone who you know had all the answers to all of people's questions and got this really awesome job right out of school and was making good money and and had an emergency fund and a 401k and all this stuff and then it was tied to shame when i was unemployed and i talk about this all the time that anything like money related is tied yeah. to shame um that's why a lot of people don't talk about money they don't talk about their career and it's because you're either shamed that you're you know, you're not saving enough money, that you're making the quote-unquote wrong money decisions, and shame, and exactly right, Beatrice, like embarrassment is tied to a lot of these decisions. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the most authentic thing I could do and the thing that would honestly help people the most was saying, I don't have it all together. And up until this point, yeah, I've been doing pretty well. But this, this was... Um, yeah, it was, it was not the right decision for me. And here's, here's why I ignored red flags that I should have. And yeah, I wrote a blog post literally titled, I took the job for the money. Like, and here's what happened. And Mm -hmm. I got more like outpouring of support from, from my readers, from strangers, um, from yeah, women in my position who were like, Hey, I've been at this job. I hate it. It's unhealthy. Like you've given me either the inspiration to like look for something new. And I think some people even quit their jobs because of it. So that was, I mean, that sounds like, yeah, you quit your job, woo, and like you're going to be unemployed. But, you know, it was something that, um, yeah, I think touched a lot of people in a way that my content hadn't before because it was more real. It was, it was what was actually happening to me. So, 
yeah, I made a, I made a honest decision to be able to, or an intentional choice to, to share it and to kind of share my journey. And also, I mean, from a branding standpoint, it also helped too, because it was people knowing I was unemployed and, and at the end of all my posts, I would say, Hey, I'm still looking for work. If you need the social media person, if you need this, if you need that, just let me know. So, um, yeah, to say it was like entirely selfless would <laughs> not be accurate, but you know, it was, it was the most vulnerable content I had produced to that point. That's awesome. Um, so after that crazy experience now, are you employed? Like, what are you up to right now? I am so employed and I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Got out of that. Had, uh, three months of like panic. Um, and went in for this job interview at this financial tech startup. And, um, I didn't know. I didn't know if this was the right fit for me. Hmm. And interviews went well. Office was really cool. Everybody was really cool. It was an office of all guys, which was interesting. I would be the first woman. And I didn't know. My gut didn't know. So I went home. Next day, got a job offer from the CEO. Your girl negotiated 20% more because that's how we do. Um, but I still didn't know. Told him in, in the call, gives me the job offer. I go, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank I'm, I'm honored. Uh, I, I loved meeting you all and I thank you so much. But my next thing I go, I'm not sure yet. And I go for your, um, you know, for your benefit, for my benefit, I want to make sure that this is the right fit for me. Can I come in and interview again? Mm. went in Friday they do team catered lunches went in Friday and met the entire team that time one of the guys is an amateur filmmaker they were showing one of his films during lunch um, just talked with all of them kind of got a vibe of who they were as people and then I wanted to have a one-on-one with who, the guy who would be my manager and I kind of interviewed him and I, I was asking him questions about his style who you know, how he went about um, uh, the onboarding process, uh, that sort of thing, training. And I asked him, I said, what is the one thing that you think you need to be successful here? And he said, empathy. And I was like, get sold, got it, done. Like, my boss previous to that would never have said empathy. That would not, like, that's not even in her vocabulary. So um, at that point I knew, he even offered, he's like, I can give you names of people I've managed before, just like super humble and just, uh, yeah. And I had told them all like my previous experience that it was really unhealthy, that I didn't want to get back into something like that. And, um, I'm so glad I went back in and, uh, I've been there for about a month now. I absolutely love it. Um, the team is so supportive. Yeah. We do team lunches every Friday, super collaborative, um, Talking about women and money is my favorite thing in the world. Um, talking about how women, you know, money affects women in different ways. And I'm at a financial tech startup that is aimed at families, aimed at women. Um, I get up every morning. I'm excited to go to work. I feel motivated for my side projects again. Because that was the other thing about unemployment, which I thought was so interesting, is that I had all this time now to work on my blog, to work on my business, to do all these things that I didn't have time to do previously. 
I was not motivated to do any of them. And I don't know why that was, but I think I was just like so crushed and so just like, I can't do anything. I'm a failure that uh, nothing got done. And I had three months of like, oh, I could have built a course online. I could have written, you know, 62,000 blog posts and none of it got done. But now it's like, I just love my job. It's downtown. I get to commute again. I'm in the city. I, um, yeah, working on my blog and business, my career coaching starting up again. Um, it's just, I'm just over the moon excited and it's been awesome so far. That's great. I'm so happy for you, Tori. That's really good to hear. Me too. I'm so Um, excited. (laughs) So we talked, we talked about this a little bit already, but, um, you have a website blog and, um, I used it a lot when I was um, on the job market, when I was interviewing. Did you really? I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't have no idea how to prepare for an interview. And I'd be like, well, what would Tori tell me? And I'd just go click around and I'd be like, what advice can Tori give me right now? <laughs> that is so flattering. Thank so you can you plug Victory Media? Tell us what's up with that. Hashtag Victory Media. Hashtag live life victoriously. Um, I, yeah, I, again, like I, I, I said, I, I realized that no one was teaching this in school no one was really talking about this uh you could go to your career center but you'd get like either outdated advice or you'd get yeah just advice that wasn't helpful to us as 21 22 year old women who were trying to figure out our way in the world so yes i had been thinking about starting a blog for a really long time and then just decided i was going to finally do it so bought the domain one night and just started blogging and haven't really stopped so yeah it would write about my own experience uh, interviewing the questions that I always found were, were good to ask when I was interviewing recipe, uh, recipe. Wow. It's been a long, long week. <laughs> Resume tips and tricks. <laughs> um, yeah, again, how to negotiate your job offer, what to say when somebody asks what your current salary is. Cause although that question's not illegal, except in Massachusetts, it's not a very nice question to ask. Um, yeah. How to, how to handle certain uncomfortable situations at work how to manage your finances, like what makes sense for you for saving for retirement at what age, all these things that are yeah affecting women and affecting young women differently, especially. So yeah, from that kind of stemming from that, I do freelance social media and uh, kind of strategy. So I work as a consultant. I do um, kind of one-on-one work with clients who need social, a career coach. I had my first client call officially tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. That was, that's my first paid client. So I'm so excited. Um, uh, so yeah, career coaching. And then I monetize my blog a little bit too. So brands will reach out, want to work with me. Um, and yeah, we'll partner on content that way too. And then stemming from that, like I, I had certain goals I wanted to kind of achieve last year. So I wanted to be on a podcast, ended up being on, on this way bigger podcast than I thought it was called women killing it, which was really cool. Um, and then wanted to lead a panel. So I did a digital entrepreneurship panel at Geek Girl Con in Seattle last year. We ended up packing the room, got like 80 women, like standing room only. It was so awesome. Um, so all of these kind of opportunities have stemmed from the blog. Um, guest posting on sites that I've been reading for years or, um, yeah, career coaching and helping um, other women who are going through the same sorts of transitions that I've been through. And, yeah, it's just been it's been really awesome. And just the, like hearing that from you, Claire and, and yeah, I get people who reach out to me pretty much on a weekly basis now, just saying, Hey, this helped or, Hey, I landed, landed a job because of you or negotiated my offer because of you. And like, that is just, that's why you do it. So it's been awesome. That's cool. Um, 
Um, so you talked a little bit about your freelance work. Like, what are you doing as a freelance? Are you still doing freelance work? Yeah. So I, I um, because the new job has just been a lot, like any new job, you know, you want to get in there and, and do the best work you can. I've kind of limited my freelance work. I'm just working with one client right now who's a photographer. Um, and we actually knew each other in high school, which is kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm just doing a couple hours a week for her. Um, and then I have my blog, which really, um, unless I'm, like, writing a specific sponsored post, I really don't get paid for. Um, so I do that in my free time, too. And then, yeah, career coaching where I can. And then I do a lot of kind of complimentary career coaching, too, just to kind of give back and, and yeah, to network. Um, but, yeah, right now... Um, I'm probably maybe going to pick up another client, but it's going to have to just be like a handful of hours a week. Um, and yeah, it's usually done on the weekends or when I get home um, from work. So yeah, it's just managing everything. I just, uh, I had a freelance client when I was unemployed that I kind of acquired because I didn't know when I'd be finding a job. And she and I ended up parting ways just because I told her like, hey, the scope of work that you need is like 20, 30, maybe 40 hours a week. And me with my other job like I just am not going to be able to give you like the time that I know you need so um yeah it's 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 balancing right it's all kind of a balancing act of, of prioritizing your time and deciding um yeah where what or who your time goes to and and yeah making sure that you're doing the best work and sometimes that means saying no yeah I know you and I Tori talked about me doing some sort of like freelance stuff photography and now that I'm back now that I'm in a position that is you know more storytelling based and I'm sort of stretching my um, photography muscles again I feel like I'm going to take your advice soon and sort of see see where I can go with that um but we have one last question for you are you ready for this this is our classic um end of episode question I'm excited to hear what you say because you are twice as far out from graduation as the rest of our guests. But what's really funny is so like I was last... listening I was listening to Gina's episode and Gina's episode was like 25 minutes. And I don't know if you know this, like Gina and I lived, Gina lived like three doors down from me in Shipstead. So Gina, Gina Gervin. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that girl. But I'm yes. realizing I'm like, I have talked like 63,000 times more than anybody has talked on this podcast. <laughs> so no. <laughs> I'm gonna, Tori, I'm gonna I know up. you. I told Beatrice, I was like, this will be one of our longer episodes. <laughs> Tori will know exactly what to say. <laughs> or she'll ramble and then get to the point at the end, which is, hey, the unemployment period just sucked. It was just bad. No, it was, it was great. It was awful. <laughs> okay, let, let's do this. One last question. If you could go back to graduation day, what advice would you give the yourself? The same answer that everybody else is, I think, given, which is don't worry. I'm a worrier. I worry about everything. I worry about, yeah, how my life is going to look. Am I, do I need to somehow start having kids now because my eggs are getting, oh. like, like, you know, it's like things like that where I don't even want, no. I don't even want children yet. I don't even know if I want them at all, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like the, the doctors tell you that like, this is your prime to start having children. And I'm like, no, that's not in my life. Oh, timeline. my God. <laughs> so, um, and I think I've gotten better at it over the years, but honestly, like, just not worrying. I had a really great, like, day on graduation day because I wasn't worried. And then the worry set in the next day of, like, when am I going to get a job? How is that going to work? Where is it going to be? Uh, how much money am I going to be making? Can I afford my bills? 
I mean, just all of that. So um, I would just say, it sounds so cliche, but just like live every moment in the present moment if you can. <laughs> like that sounds so cliche, but it's true. Because what I've realized about myself, right, is you can plan and you should have plans. You should have goals. You should have dreams. You should have aspirations. But that puts blinders on you. And so as soon as you put goals and dreams and aspirations in a, in a certain timeline, you lose everything in your peripheral vision. You lose everything that could possibly happen to you that you could never have expected. So you have to have your goals and your dreams and your aspirations, but you have to also be open to all the things you could never have imagined and could never have planned. And also, you don't know what's coming. You, again, can plan certain things, but I didn't know that I'd be working for a security company, then a Christmas ornament business, and then quit the Christmas ornament business to work at a financial <laughs> tech startup all in less than two years. I had no idea. I had no idea that was going to happen. So have your goals, have your dreams, but also, you know what, just take it day by day and see everything as a learning opportunity and just keep moving forward. Great. I love that. What a way to end this conversation. That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thank you for joining yeah, that us. Was great, Tori. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much. What you all didn't see was 25 minutes of Beatrice and Claire being very patient while I ran around the house trying to find headphones that I forgot to bring. So <laughs> I have totally have my life together, everybody. Everything's great. But thank you You're so doing much great, for having Tori. me. I'm, I'm very, been very excited to, to come on. So thank you. Thank you. We're going to have to have you back on as like a freelance expert or finance expert or something else. We're going to have to have you back on to give us more advice. Nothing I like more than talking about money. Honestly, like that sounds, that sounds like I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> but it's honestly true. So yeah, let's chat. Let's chat about Roth IRAs. Let's do it. Oh, okay. Not right now. No, I'm, not. I'm scared. <laughs> Well, that was a great conversation with Tori. Um, I really appreciate her, you know, talking to us about her experience post-grad and her jobs. And I really liked her advice, even if, even though it's this, a lot of the same advice that other people have been giving, I still think it's really important to stay calm on graduation day. It's really basic, but it's important. I agree. There's a reason that everyone keeps repeating that advice. It's because it's important. It's what they would have wanted to hear. I knew Tori would be a great guest. She has always impressed me with her with her work ethic and it was really great to have her on. I, I hope she'll come on again and talk to us more about finances and things like that. And Beatrice, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're still on our streak of having a guest in every state, right? Because Tori was in Washington. All of our guests are from different states, yeah? So far, I think so. Yeah, we're doing great. Wow. I love that. That's crazy. Um, okay, it's that time of the episode. We'd like to thank our sponsor. This episode of Diplomas and Doubts is brought to you by Seasonal Allergies. It turns out I am, <laughs> in fact, John Moore's daughter. It stopped raining in Portland, and my seasonal allergies hit me so hard, y'all. That explains why I sound like this this episode. I'm congested. I'm tired. I can't breathe. I trapped myself in the house yesterday for hours and then I finally had to leave and I'm a serious mouth breather when I have seasonal allergies, you guys. I'm just <laughs> panting, my nose is rushing, snot, like, I hate spring, why do you guys like spring? I wish it rained every single day in Portland. I'm sitting over here praying for rain. 
Everyone pray for rain. Um, I don't really know how to comment on this because I don't suffer from seasonal aller allergies and I have no idea what that feels like. So I am sorry that you're going through this, but I truly cannot relate. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's really important to me that seasonal allergies are sponsoring this episode because I want you guys all to know why I sound like this right now. And that's the reason why. Because Honestly, it's not that it's not that noticeable. I'm glad that helps at all. I think it was worse earlier yeah. in the week when I lost my voice. That was a mm. good couple of listen, y'all. It's been a long week, but you know what? This has been a long episode. Thank you for tuning in. We mm -hmm. appreciate you. We've got more stuff coming as always. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.